Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of UBS's Summer of Artificial Intelligence series. Today's episode is titled Investment Implications and Opportunities. So in this four-part program, we're taking you on a journey into the world of AI. We're tracing its remarkable origins. We're envisioning its awe-inspiring future. And of course, we're unraveling the incredible ways that humans like us will wield its power. And as you've seen so far in the series and will continue to, including today's conversation, I'm here to ask experts in the field of AI if it's going to fuel the next great surge in productivity, innovation, and economic prosperity, or will it be the next great threat to jobs, to industries, and of course, to us, humanity? So joining us today for this conversation, we've got starting all the way on my left there, Kevin Deneen. He is an equity strategist here in UBS's chief investment office covering tech and telecom. We've also got Jay Jacobs, head of thematics and active equity ETFs from BlackRock, and Jeremy Capron, partner and director of research at our partners at Robo Global. So gentlemen, thanks for being here. Uh, this is uh, it's an exciting series and it's an, uh, obviously a very timely conversation. And today we're really focusing on the investment side of the story. Um, and we'll get into that in a second, but I do wanna let our audience know we love to hear from you. So on the page that you are viewing this video, there's a button that says, ask a question. Just click that and then you'll be able to type it in and we'll get the question fed to us here in the studio. We are live right now in New York, so please feel free to send those questions in for our panelists. Uh, Kevin, I want to start with you. Um, clearly, artificial intelligence is driving um, the U.S. equity markets, specifically technology. If we really kind of raise the, the, the roof a little bit, go all the way to top, tech has been hot, hot, hot. Um, a particular number of names that are in the S&P 500. But more importantly, are the gains we're seeing justified by the sort of excitement we're seeing in artificial intelligence? What's the story here? You know, I think they are, right? So I think there's a very strong narrative around AI. I think, you know, I like to, to describe AI as an overnight sensation, 60 years in the making, right. maybe even a little bit longer. Um, and I think that there's a lot of things coming together right now that argue for we are entering the age of AI. And, you know, to be clear, we've lived in almost, I'd call it ambient AI for a number of years, right, with a lot of technologies that we touch every day. Um, so I do think a lot of the, the gains are justified. I think there's always a little bit of a debate of are we in an AI bubble? You know, I don't think so. I think, you know, bubbles typically have three characteristics. You get um, it's usually like a bright, shiny, new technology innovation. It sees rapid gains in, in equity prices, and you reach really extreme valuations. I think we can check the first two boxes, but because the, the earnings revisions for companies that have strong alignment to AI, because those earnings revisions have been so strong, we, valuations are rich, but they're not... I think it's really hard to argue that they're in bubble territory. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy, uh, I mean, obviously, I want to ask the both of you as we get started here, but Jeremy, I'll kind of come closer to my side of the table here. Do you, Kevin said we're not in a bubble. What do you think about that? I think we're seeing some speculative activities in certain areas of the market. Mm -hmm. And some we've seen some pretty incredible moves in certain stocks uh, that relate to AI. But if you step back, you look at the broader picture. Uh, we run a benchmark that's a basket of more than 60 uh, companies that are at the forefront of uh, artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. uh, that basket is up nearly 40% this year. Okay, you're going to say, wow, that's a big number, maybe a bubble. But it was down 40% last year. And then if you look at the five year since we, we've, we started running this benchmark, uh, it's up, uh, on average, compounded 13% per year. 
So that's a much more reasonable number, and I think that's a, a better reflection of the, the long-term trajectory here. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about hype. Is it overhyped? And last time we did the show, we had a professor from Vanderbilt University, Dr. Jules White, and said he thinks ChatGPT as a large language model itself is underhyped. But on the investment side, do you think we're overhyped? Do you think that the earnings that we're seeing and the growth that we're seeing are kind of embedded already, or is there more room to grow? Jay, I'll ask that question of you. I think it's really a tale of two different types of stocks. Right. At the high end, when you look at really those mega cap tech names, they have experienced a significant rally, billions of dollars of wealth creation in those, you know, year to date, as we've seen a lot of those companies really kind of draw the investor attention from an AI perspective. But there's a long tail of 100 additional companies and beyond that are really going to benefit from AI. And they are AI enablers, they're AI developers, they're robotics companies that benefit from AI getting better, they're users and implementers of AI. There's this incredible kind of second story with AI that I don't think the market has really picked up on yet. And so it's really about not focusing on just the top end, but who's kind of the second order beneficiary of AI. So, I mean, I know you've been asked this question before, probably all three of you have first inning, Baseball analogy for AI, you think? Second or third, maybe? So we're um, a little further along. So the Turing test was written in 1950. Right. So we're 73 years into this story now. And yet it, it really it is, it is now that it is on the front page of every newspaper, that everyone is playing around with these different AI toys, if you will. And more importantly, businesses are thinking about how do we use this technology and really turn it into a product. Right. So we have, we have hit that, you know, that inflection point in the J-curve. And you covered thematics for BlackRock, Jay. So if you look at other themes like industrials and healthcare, uh, where would you rank AI? itself in terms of importance um, and even investability? So the BlackRock Investment Institute actually just published its top five mega forces, the most powerful themes that it sees you know, emerging in the world today, not 10 years from now, but already seeing really kind of massive disruption. AI was one of them. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because the impact of AI is not just a tech story. You know, tech is the product, tech is behind AI, but it's gonna impact healthcare. As we, you know, visit doctors and they're taking notes using AI or they're diagnosing us using AI or the drugs that we're taking are developed by AI algorithms, uh, it will impact industrials as manufacturing becomes increasingly automated as well. So you can really look sector by sector and see how AI is going to influence the entire economy. And when you just think about the breadth of opportunity, the total addressable market, it is staggering. And that's why it is one of our most powerful. So you things. might use, I mean, this is to the panel, you might use the word pervasive when it comes to AI because you really made a very strong point, Jay. It's not just tech, it, it's gonna touch almost every industry that we have today, uh, from education, which we'll talk about in future shows, to farming equipment, to computers themselves, to the way we re interact with each other. It's incredible. Kevin, let me let me go back to you here for a second. Um, given that you're, you know you're focused very much on a sector level, as is Jeremy, so I might ask you to follow up on this. How does the AI theme then sort of stack up, uh, you know, against other opportunities that yeah. you see within the, the broader technology sector? Yeah, I, I I I'll riff off of what Jay said. I mean, we've spoken for a long time about how we think there's five sort of foundational technologies that will influence the overall economy influence the technology sector mm -hmm. over the next decade or so, right? So AI, artificial and virtual reality, big data, the next generation of cloud computing, and 5G wireless, and eventually, believe it or not, they're already talking about 6G, right? And I think any one of those technologies in and of themselves are really interesting, but I think it's when you, you almost think of them as Lego blocks and, and you put them together, I think that's when you get sort of innovative, 
I hate to use the word disruption, but I, I will use it. Innovative, disruptive solutions that I think will be put to work in, in every, every sector of the global economy. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's one of the big five. It's probably a, some, a slightly different five than what Jay is thinking about, but I think we get to the same place. This is, this is, this is a real trend. It it's, it's, didn't just happen. We've been dealing with AI for a number of years, but it certainly feels like the pieces are coming together. And I think there's other adjacencies that sort of reinforce the, the power and the impact of AI. Well, uh, with those adjacencies then, Jeremy, are there other ones that are you know, adjacent themes that maybe investors might be, should be paying more attention to here? I think uh, AI is a general purpose technology. It can be applied to every market, every industry, and it's happening now. Mm -hmm. And so very much a technological revolution comparable to that of the internet and mobile in the past 20 years. And we're starting to see disruption uh, as a result. But AI is also, uh, I would say, one of the elements that make the broader idea of automation more powerful. So the most important adjacency in my mind today is uh, automation of human uh, work and activities in general. And you know, we've been uh, going at after automation for uh, more than a century now. Uh, but machine intelligence is really providing that next leg up in terms of uh, machine capabilities. And so I would encourage investors to look beyond AI into automation and robotics because a lot of what we hear about AI today is about the digital world, right? We collect data and, and we find, we detect patterns into it and provides new insights in, ter in terms of how uh, to, uh, uh, say, uh, make our work more efficient in the digital world. But now this AI is powering machines in the real physical world. And now we're starting to see tremendous progress uh, in robotics. And robotics are coming out of the factory floor and they're coming into our homes. They're going into warehouses and distribution centers. They're going into hospitals and surgical uh, operating rooms and, and, and beyond that. So I think um, industrial automation in particular is very attractive today because it solves one of our crucial problems uh, this year, which is labor shortage that's uh, pervasive in all the major economies. And secondly, because here in the US, we're on the cusp of a factory automation boom. We've had uh, a lot of uh, fiscal stimulus in terms of the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, the, chip, the CHIPS Act to build semiconductor right. factories, and construction spend has gone through the roof. So I think that's a really exciting area to watch. Kind of on the back of that point, what I find so interesting about these general purpose technologies is they take time to develop. Like, they are overnight sensations, they're not overnight sensations. Like, it happens slowly and then kind of all at once. Mm -hmm. And what I think is so interesting about AI and robotics is, you know, if you go back five years ago, Jeremy and I have been looking at robotics for a long time, it actually seemed like robotics was going to be kind of the first major breakthrough, that suddenly if you go to you know, a distribution warehouse that everything is getting picked off shelves by robots and put in boxes and shipped off, and actually that's flipped. It's actually AI that's come first before robotics, as generative AI has shown that you can create content, music, images, uh, text, 
using uh, you know purely software-driven AI systems. And I, I'm really excited to see that kind of swing back to the industrial manufacturing space, where all these uh, you know incredible gains in AI are actually going to impact the physical world going forward. Yeah, and it seems like even AI now is more, is in the hands of anyone who has access to a, a, a smartphone or a computer. I mean, so essentially all of us could be generating you know content using AI. Now you're talking about music. There are you know I've seen recently they have Freddie Mercury who died many years ago now doing covers of Celine Dion songs that only happened 20 years ago. And so it's it's incredible to see that it's scary to a, to a certain extent because, you know, there's such technology that most people don't understand, but they know they can use it. But then it goes into the investment side. So, so maybe, and Jay, let me stick with you for a second here. If you think about sort of the lesser appreciated parts of AI, because you talk about there's electric vehicles, there's robotics, there's all these other parts that utilize AI. I mean, maybe are there other areas of AI that maybe we're not thinking about thematically that we should be as investors. Absolutely. I, I think one of the areas that's been forgotten is actually just kind of general uh, digital infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the leaders in AI right now, at least as decided by the market, has been the companies that have the most data, the most software engineers, and the lowest cost of capital. And I get it. They are behemoths. They drive innovation forward. Um, but if you look at what's going to happen next, it's not just about kind of training new AI models. These are going to be turned into products. These products are going to be used every day. They're That's going right. to have to sit in, in data centers that are going to have to have cooling systems, networking systems run by tons of CPUs, which are kind of more general kind of basic computing units rather than GPUs. And so there's this, there's this whole uh, world of infrastructure that really has to support this AI renaissance. That so far has not been rewarded by the market, and I think mm -hmm. that's a mess. Yeah, and Kevin, I know this is something that you're covering also with your in your coverage space at UBS. And we talk about cybersecurity as well. Obviously, there's storage and all the things that Jay's talking about here. Anything to add on that? Because I know you've you've written you know many yeah. white papers on this topic that are pretty fascinating. Yeah, I, I'm I'm sort of fixated and maybe fascinated by the role of data and the importance of data. I mean, I think you know it became trendy to say data is the new oil. I actually think data is much more important than that. And I think as, as, as cool as ChatGPT is, and I think it caught everybody's excitement because it was the first time we could sort of touch and feel and use right. you know, world-class, first leading generation AI. I think ultimately, you know, Jay, what you were saying about this technology has to be productized and monetized. It's going to take proprietary data to do that. Nobody's really going to make or draw, create a lot of economic value using data that they've scraped off the publicly available internet. So I think, I think a lot about data. I think about the companies that sit on data that has scale and scope, you know, that, that has a lot of data about a lot of people or a lot of data about a lot of different things. And I think those are companies that are really well positioned to capitalize on, on AI um, as it starts to turn into a product and a service. Yeah. But let's take the flip side of that. And Jeremy, I'll ask you this question. It, it, obviously, there are risks not just for AI, but in the markets. We, there is recession risk, even though we've sort of avoided it at this point, but it still could be on the horizon. We've still got a Fed that's trying to make this all make sense for, for consumers. Um, there maybe is the hype cycle specifically for AI. What are some of the biggest investment risks that you see right now for AI on, that, on the flip side of the story? To me, uh, the most important risk today is that of concentration. Mm. There's a uh, big concentration in the equity market right now. Uh, we've seen mega cap tech companies really drive most of the returns uh, so far in the US uh, to the point where 
uh, NASDAQ uh, going through a special rebalance uh, actually this month because uh, the largest companies in the NASDAQ 100 now are getting close to 50%, and that's a regulatory issue for uh, fund managers. So uh, we need to keep in mind that AI is a lot uh, more than mega cap tech companies. And just as Jay was uh, talking about mm -hmm. earlier, there's a host of enabling technology firms uh, that are around the data collection, the data management, the networking equipment to deliver the data, uh, the cybersecurity around it. And then there's a host of companies that are um, going after one specific vertical markets where they can apply it. It can be in healthcare, it can be in manufacturing, transportation, consumer products, mm -hmm. and, and so on. So the risk, and that's if you know, investors take the shortcut of equaling AI to mega cap tech companies. I think that's a mistake and a big risk. Uh, and you should go beyond that and look at a broader diversified exposure to capture the gains to come. Thank you, Jeremy. What, what about the, the, what would you say maybe, and this might be piggybacking a little bit on what you said earlier, Jay, when you think about the most interesting potential applications for AI as we look towards the future, I mean, clearly it'd be great if we had a crystal ball, it can look down 10, 20, 30 years, but in your kind of looking at the thematic universe, what do you think are the most interesting potential applications for AI down the road? I mean, there's so many, and I think what's so fascinating is people keep kind of changing their total addressable market expectations for AI like every month, and it's because <laughs> new use cases keep popping up, right? Like when ChatGPT first came out, people were like, great, this can write poetry for me. Like, small market, like the poetry, sorry, for poets out there, <laughs> but like, small market. But now it can write legal contracts, now it can do uh, write computer code, now it can work on personalized content, and the, the addressable market keeps getting bigger bigger and bigger with all these different use cases. I don't even think the most interesting use cases have been discovered yet. I think we are still so early in this discovery process with generative AI. We will see fascinating things coming out in the next few years as people leverage this tool in an incredible way. But um, I, I'm, I'm almost sitting back, like eating popcorn, watching this because it's so incredible to see all the innovations built on top of AI. Yeah, and Kevin, you wrote a, 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 an article recently about how generative AI kind of mirrors the discovery of the new world, yeah. when Europe was actually building, you know, creating maps of the unknown parts of the Earth. Yeah. Can you? Share with us what you mean by that, because I think it's a really important segue from what Jay is talking yeah, about here. I, I, so, when the first Renaissance map that had the Americas on it labeled the Americas terra incognita, unknown land, mm -hmm. and it created a lot of fear. It was fears of you know Armageddon, end of days. There were economic fears, political fears, and AI sort of technology generally has always sort of engendered those con conversations. But I think AI and ChatGPT especially really sort of lit a fire under that type of discussion. And I think just, just like um, you know, new discoveries always lead to some concern, they ultimately lead, ultimately lead to more economic growth, a better quality of life, a better standard of living for, 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 most, for the population. Right, exactly. So I, I, think there's, I think there's an analog there. Yeah, and large language models, are they the future or is it just one component of AI. Jeremy, I mean, I don't, I, you know, we look at ChatGPT and it is now available to us as an app on our phones and it seems now it's part of our regular everyday lives for some people. And as Jay was saying, you know, now it's kind of being used for very simple things, but it's going to be much more complex as it grows and gets after September 2021 with data. But is that the future or is there more to it than it's that? It's a major leap forward because we're essentially solving the language aspect of uh, intelligence. 
there's many different aspects to intelligence. And uh, I think recently, it would still have been fair to call artificial intelligence artificial stupidity, given how narrow its focus was right, every right. time. Now with language, you know, you're tackling something that's uh, a, a lot broader. And with vision and computer vision, it's a very similar approach. Um, I think in terms of the most promising areas, uh, healthcare should definitely be on the map. Uh, AI is already a, a, a very important enabler of genomics. Uh, the gene sequencing mm -hmm. is uh, powered by machine learning and uh, it enables uh, custom medicine that's tailored for the individual. It enables uh, early diagnosis of disease. Uh, now we have AI that enhance the diagnosis uh, of doctors when they read medical imagery or when they read a biopsy result or a blood test result. Uh, and this is still very early stage. I think uh, right now we're seeing some promising results as well in terms of how to develop new drugs. Uh, that's a process that historically has cost you know, billions of dollars for a single drug and many years, and that can be accelerated by using AI to develop new, uh, new drugs and cures. So I think healthcare is, is, is definitely there on the map. Yeah, for sure. And you, you can see it actually in hospitals today, as you were saying earlier, Jeremy, there was a, there's a robot that they've been using in Japan that helps to turn over people who are uh, unable to move on their own so that they don't get bed sores or get, you know, um, you know stiff muscles and then that's been in uh, I think in in practicality for a couple of years now so we can actually see these things already taking place and what's coming ahead of us is just incredible um, Jay looking at like the, the fear that people have and maybe it's even an investing fear I, I don't know how that fits into the grand scheme of the investment the portfolio and obviously this is a conversation we'd recommend everybody have with their financial advisors to make sure that you know whatever we're talking about today fits into your um, investment horizons but there's certainly a fear around AI. People think of it as, you know, taking over the world and all the science fiction things that we've seen. Do you think there's a fear on the investing side, thematically? Thematically, I, so the two things that we look at from a thematic investing perspective is how big and how fast. Mm -hmm. How big is how much of the world can this disrupt? That total addressable market, as I was talking about before, that total addressable market is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. How fast is an interesting question. If you look at electricity when it was introduced to the world, it took about 20 years for it to really uh, uh, kind of revolutionize how production happened. So you had this incredible technology. People knew it was an incredible technology, but you actually needed to build a whole new generation of, of uh, factory foremen that knew how to well, you know, use this technology and put it into place and right. implement it. We might be in a similar place with AI. So I think the fear should not be if, I think the fear should be when. It could happen slowly, it could happen quickly. Um, and it's really anyone's guess. I think we're seeing this kind of Cambrian explosion right now around generative AI. I think we'll see a lot of fast progress, but I think um, if you started to see a comeback in AI stocks, it would be because people are disappointed it's not happening, happening fast enough. For right. Them. Well, you say focus on the next and not necessarily the now. Yeah, ex exactly, right? We should be focused on what is going to happen in 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. So from a thematic investing lens, let's not try to play today's market. Let's say what is not a major component of uh, major indexes, what is kind of under-owned in my portfolio that is probably the next big sector or is going to be the leaders of the tech sector going forward. Right. Kevin? No, I was going to say, you know, listen to Jay's comments, um, thinking back to how we opened up the conversation. I think one of the risks around AI is, um, right now in the markets, it is that concentration, but it's also this expectation 
You know, it's to your point about when. If you look at, at a lot of estimates, they're, they're sort of extrapolated out, very strong growth over the next few years. And what we've seen even in the recent past, in the recent, you know, the last few years, even with other parts of AI, like um, machine learning, you know, that went through sort of fits and starts. And, and even though there's this strong secular narrative, there's always cycles within that. And I think that's, that's one of the risks. It speaks to the when, maybe it speaks to the timing. And I think it's just one of those things that you have to be sort of braced for and, and at some point maybe be able to take uh, advantage of if we do get some sort of a pullback or you know, some sort of a misstep because we've seen a lot of investment, we've seen a lot of energy around this. We may have to go through a period of digestion. Great, thanks, Kevin. I do. We only have a couple of minutes left, gentlemen, so I want to get to some of the audience questions. Um, the first one here talks about regulation, data privacy laws, et cetera, intellectual property rights. And the question is, what legal considerations should investors keep in mind? I know none of us are lawyers here, but in your own research, anybody, Jay, you're nodding. I don't know if you have an answer to that question, but I just figured we'd give it a shot. I think the pace of innovation right now is exceeding the pace of the laws that are going to regulate it. So, you know, that's up to lawmakers, that's up to the courts to decide. I think there will be some measure of regulation around AI eventually. And in fact, some of the leaders of the AI movement have been calling for regulation. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's an unknown. I think it's an important unknown for investors to consider. It will come into play. Uh, I guess my questions are, is it US-based US laws? Are they global laws? Because we know how pervasive this technology is. We know how competitive this technology is, where every country and region wants to be the leaders in AI. They don't want to regulate themselves into being irrelevant. So this is, this is a, a risk. And I also think it's an opportunity, because if you look at some of the other government actions that have happened in the last few years, like the um, uh, Chips and Science Act, they've really tried to accelerate um, R&D around mm -hmm. semiconductors, around AI development. So you can have kind of a carrot and a stick here. You can regulate it, but also governments are trying to accelerate it. Right, and you know, obviously we have to give um, grace to the people who don't know much about this and need to understand it before they can start making laws on it. But you know, of course, that's a more of a political discussion, I think, than, uh, than, than one that we're having here. Um, thank you, Jay. Um, Jeremy, maybe I'll ask if you have an answer to this second question that came in. How do you see the use of AI in defense spending? Do you have an answer to that? Well, as with any uh, new and advanced technology, you can expect the defense sector to be at the forefront. Sure. And uh, we've seen a lot of innovation come from the defense sector and DARPA. And it's, uh, it's pretty obvious that it's going to be a major area of investment for the defense companies. Uh, now, a lot of that is not transparent to us as investors. It's a very secretive uh, type of activity. So mm -hmm. it's, I think as an investor, it's hard to measure uh, the edge that some of these defense companies could have over uh, others, but uh, certainly a, a new additional source of growth for, uh, for them. Terrific. Jeremy, thank you very much. Uh, we're almost out of time. I think we just, maybe we have time for one more. Um, do you think AI as a market has only external competition or is the only competition between AI companies. Kevin, has any, anything come up in your research that can answer that question? Um, so, I, look, I, I think it sort of speaks to this notion of concentration. I think the market has been focused almost exclusively on a small handful of, you know, as Jay said, the anointed winners. Um, there, there, there will be competition over time. I think there are, as much as we're focused on ChatGPT and a small handful of other large language models, I think there's something like 35 or 40 other publicly, um, they're op in the open source community, so anybody can, can actually download sure. them and use them. So I think, you know, I, th I think there will be competition over time, um, but, it, you know, getting an ecosystem up and running and scaled up, that's certainly 
a barrier to entry also. Right. And, and technology tends to like duopolies, right? We, we tend to see that operating systems, you know, Android versus iOS, Windows versus Mac. We, we just, so there will be competition. I don't, I don't think the final chapters are written yet. Yeah, it's exciting times ahead of us to see where this all shakes out. People will watch this uh, or they'll have their chat GPT run this video for them. God knows what that'll look like in a couple of years, right? Uh, before we wrap up, and uh, thank, by the way, thank you all for doing this conversation today. It's terrific stuff. We've been asked, we're going to ask all of our panelists the same question. Jeremy, I'll start with you. What excites you the most about artificial intelligence from any perspective? Uh, what excites me the most is that we're still very early stages. Uh, I mentioned artificial stupidity. Now we're moving to artificial intelligence. Right. Uh, I think those are based on exponential technology, semiconductors, the Moore's Law. Every year we, um, we advance uh, and you have a compounding effect. Mm -hmm. and, and that means, uh, you know, as investors, we know compound interest. Well, in technology, we also see uh, compounded gains. And so I think the, the curve can go vertical very quickly, and that's what's exciting. Exponential growth, in other yes. words, right? Yeah, thank you, Jeremy. Uh, Jay, same question for you. What's, what's exciting to you about AI right now? This will be somewhat of a selfish lens. I think it's going to make our lives better. I think it'll make my life better. I think it'll make all of our lives at this table better and our viewers. Because a, a few use cases that have just been so fun and like incredible in my life already. Uh, it planned a trip to Miami with my wife at the last second when I didn't do the planning on my own. Um, my uh, good <laughs> Did friends you admit of mine, that to your wife? No, she of doesn't. Of course know. not. Now she <laughs> might. <but yeah. laughs> uh, my good friends used it to write their wedding thank you notes. Um, I thought that was a pretty interesting use case that saved them some time. Um, and you can use it, this is another one I've used, is like I typed in, here's all the stuff in my refrigerator, what can I make? Because it was a Sunday night and I didn't want to go to the store. So like, these are little kind of micro examples of how AI can save time, do creative things, and just kind of enrich our lives. And I think that's a really exciting thing for all of us to, to be looking forward to. Yeah, that is, that's great. I, I, lo I love that you're using it for things that are very practical in everyday life, which is terrific. Thanks, Jay. Kevin, to you. I'll, I'll give you an example in, in a specific vertical. I, um, you know, I agree with Jeremy on healthcare, um, but I'll, I'll take another example. Sure. I think there's a lot of concern in, in the education space around large language models and chat GPT, and is anybody ever gonna read the book again, or will? I, I actually, you know, we're seeing some interesting use cases around kids with learning disabilities, right? Which is 15% of the student population. Mm -hmm. And what large language models can really be uh, put to work doing is something called adaptive learning, right? So helping kids with learning disabilities learn the way that they work best. And I think that's just, you know, to your point about AI is gonna make our lives much better, I think that's like one of the more compelling and interesting use cases I've come across lately. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us, gentlemen. Great to have you here, and thanks for this great discussion. Uh, really good stuff, Jeremy, Jay, and Kevin. And thank you all for joining us out there in our audience. I'm sorry we didn't get to go all of your questions today, but somebody will respond to you if we didn't get to your question here on the show. Um, and uh, by the way, again, we were talking about the investment implications here and the opportunity, so we, make, we want to encourage you to have this conversation with your financial advisor. Uh, obviously, there's a lot that you can be digesting when it comes to your own investment horizons and your own portfolio, and what what you need for where you are in your investing life. So make sure to have that conversation with your FA. Um, and don't forget to join us on July 27th at the same time, 1 p.m. Eastern time for part three. We're going to cover AI's impact on jobs, uh, education, which I know is a topic that many of you out there are thinking about, and of course, the economy. We're going to be joined by Paul Donovan. He's UBS's chief economist and Dr. Bruce Lenthal, executive director at the Center for Teaching and Learning 
at the University of Pennsylvania. So you can visit the website where you're watching this show. If you scroll down a little bit further, you'll see more information, ubs.com forward slash summer of AI. Uh, replays of our first episode with Dr. Jules White, as well as this one in just a little while, will be available for you to watch. Thank you, everybody. We're so happy that we were able to get this terrific panel here in the studio with us, and we look forward to seeing you back here on July 27th. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.